This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. I talk about delegation and one of the biggest things that I see come up is it's a control issue. The reason why most leaders resist delegation is because they're like, "Ah, I could get it done faster myself, right? That's a control issue. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining another episode that's designed to help you better lead at the top of your game. Now, in full disclosure, I have perfectionist tendencies, and I always have, to be honest with you. And while it serves me well in many instances, it sometimes is my Achilles heel when I'm leading teams. The gremlins in my head tell me that no one can accomplish the task better than me or exactly how I like it which causes me to avoid delegating tasks to others altogether. However, I've learned over the years that delegating is an essential competency of great leadership because it empowers others to use their strengths to shine in a very impactful way. And it also frees you up to focus your energies on higher priority projects. And our guest today goes deep on the psychology behind delegation and how we as leaders can get out of our own way to better serve both ourselves and others. And on today's show, I'm honored to have Joelle Crawford, who's the founder and CEO of Crawford Leadership Strategies, a global leadership and career consultancy. She was recently awarded for the second time as one of the best career coaching services in Philadelphia. And she's also the host of the Career View Mirror podcast. Her career advice is also featured in Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Essence, and Newsweek. So be sure to listen into this great episode, but stay tuned for just two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. I am absolutely thrilled and super excited to have a very dear friend, a sorority sister, and just a leadership extraordinaire. We have on today's show Ms. Joelle Crawford, who is the founder and CEO of Crawford Leadership Strategies. And when I tell you that she has a ton of gems and thoughts and ideas for us. You better believe it, as you will soon find out. So welcome to today's show, Joelle. Thank you, Karen. It's so good to be here. It is so awesome to have you. And um, in full transparency, listeners, um, I 
early, early, early in the podcast game, Joelle invited me to be part of her. Uh, actually, it was a TV show and podcast together. And um, it was one of my very first experiences. And she made it so enjoyable. Uh, that was one of the reasons that um, I felt comfortable with launching the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast here, you know, years later. So I just want to publicly say thank you, Joelle, for that inspiration. You're welcome. You're great guest. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. We did. Lots of laughs. Yes. I still remember that. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, before we get down into the nitty gritty, for as much as you feel comfortable, I would love for you to share with the audience um, a bit more about your personal background, say maybe where you grew up, a little bit about your educational and professional journey, and then we'll get to talking about leadership. All right. Well, I grew up in a small city called Plainfield, New Jersey. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it. It is in central Jersey. Central New Jersey, and um, even though people don't think that there is a central New Jersey, there is. I grew up there, was born and raised, and went to an under, undergraduate school called Elon uh, Elon University. It was Elon College at the time, and then got my MBA at Fairleigh Dickinson University in Madison, New Jersey. And the highlight of my professional journey was spending 18 years. It was my first big girl job in corporate America, working for a telecom company, very large telecom company, probably never heard of it. And throughout uh, my career, she, I worked in uh, leadership and executive development, equal employment um, and affirmative action, employee relations, staffing, professional mentoring, and learning and development training. And I was a manager of management and employee development, uh, and I was in charge of the leadership development program for over 30,000 employees. That's, to me, I feel like one of the biggest highlights um, throughout my career. That is amazing. And I know how hard that can be. I mean, it's challenging and exciting, but I know how hard it can be because uh, I was, as you know, was in a similar role Mm -hmm. uh, when I worked at Microsoft and we had thousands of employees in our (laughs) programs as well. So it's exciting, but there is never uh, a dull day, I must (laughs) say. I don't know if you experienced that as well. Yeah, it was. it's always a thing. And I'll just come out and say, it. I was working at Verizon. It was a tiny, tiny, it was, it was Bell Atlantic Mobile when I started. And then it became Verizon Wireless and now it's Verizon. So it's like huge, it grows. But like, as I was growing professionally, the organization and the company was growing. It was just an interesting experience to see, you know, the transitions of so much stuff and how learning and development like flourished and grew along with it. You know, it's just a very, very yeah. interesting experience. So. And, you know, Joelle, when you reflect back on those times, mm-hmm. you know, that I remember the bells. I mean, some of these uh, Gen Zers probably were like, the what? what? The who? who? Yeah. <laughs> what? I remember the bell days in telecom. Um, and, and I remember the evolution of the telecommunications industry as well. Mm-hmm. And so people in like your position had to, keep up with supporting the leaders through a ton of transition that was going on in the industry. I don't know if you, any pop up for you, but do you remember like any of the trends or 
some of the the things that your leaders constantly struggled with and were like on the, you know, calling you on speed dial, like, hey, can you help me with this, that, and the other? You know, what do you remember from those days? Um, it, it, everything, everything was on fire. Like it was like always an emergency, you know, right. always, always. And um, as the company was rapidly growing, there was constantly huge, rapid hiring, you know, where I would go to certain call centers and we'd have these hiring bonanzas, like where we would just have like people wrapped around buildings, you know, interviewing to fill up call centers. I mean, those, those were huge, you know, that that was where I was constantly being pulled across the country to help open up um, call centers and interview the voices that, you know, customers would end up hearing on the other line and, and being able to have the honor to train them was phenomenal. But the thing that I kept hearing the most throughout all of the different types of roles that I had was all about effectively communicating with mm. their team members. You know, leaders would call and they're like, I'm having this, this trouble kind of getting this person to understand where I'm coming from or how do we communicate this change to the whole organization? And so I would be pulled in to help, you know, um, communicate again, uh, relocation packages and, and transition. So it was always transition and communication that, that I found were, were key things that they were always tapping, tapping us for. And I love training. So I love educating other people. So I had no problem just rolling up my sleeves. My other colleagues were like, oh, I'd rather put a hot pin in my eye than get in front of people <laughs> and talk. So I would just take their assignments and and go and run with it. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, one of the, I'll just say, sister competencies to communication is delegation. Absolutely. Because when you're having to delegate or and keep tasks on track, if you will, mm-hmm. it involves clear and um, communication, clear, direct communication. And I know that's a a interest and passion of yours that leaders are struggling with all the time. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, that whole quagmire when uh, leaders are having to, you know, delegate and they're dependent upon either directs or team members, whether they be in person or virtual Mm -hmm. to get work done. What are some of the dynamics that you uh, see with that, well, in the area delegation. Oh yeah, I and I actually I I tell this really funny story in my book, Show Your Ask, right? And and I talk about delegation, and one of the the biggest things that I see come up is it's a control issue. the The reason why most leaders resist delegation is because they're like, oh, I could get it done faster myself, right? That's a control issue, and so the biggest challenge is is letting go of that control. And I will, I, I mean, I always use myself as the perfect example. I was um, early on in my uh, managing in um, in the the role of management and employee development where I was in charge of all those leadership development programs. And so the head of HR and the head of learning and development came to me at the same time. So that I was like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> I'm in trouble. And they were like, we want you to design a engaging event for our whole entire HR organization. It's going to be in two sec- sessions. It's going to be in the spring and one in the summer. And we want you to create this huge, engaging thing that really pulls in business acumen and sales and and all of these things that I really wasn't really strong in. 
And we're going to give you a team of people that are going to develop and design it. And just, just go with it, Joyelle, just go with it. And I was like, uh, okay. And I knew this was a big deal, but I wanted to make sure I look like a big deal. And so I had this wonderful team and we laid out all of the, the, the processes and we had raffles and giveaways and, and all these people and, and mentees, these people that were kind of coming up to me and asking me to mentor them. They wanted to be involved. So I pulled them in and we all knew what our roles were and get to the first session. And it just went sideways, like stuff was going sideways. And I remember oh, the head of HR looking at me and she goes, this isn't looking good, Joyelle. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Uh, I was taking on everything. I was handling the sales slips weren't right. So I'm running around handing out all the sales slips and all the people were just standing around looking at me running around like a chicken with my head cut off because I wasn't speaking to them. I wasn't delegating any of the tasks to them or trusting them with doing the tasks. So at the end of that horrendous first session, the head of learning and development was just like, so that was an interesting um, event. Uh, what are you going to do so to ensure that it's it's uh, a little smoother next time? And I had already had my plan and I was just like, I'm going to use the team the way I need to use them. So we talked about it. We had a, a kind of a postmortem conversation about what went on. Most people, the people that I had signed to certain tasks were enjoying themselves or drinking wine and having a good old time. So they had forgotten their roles. And so I said, let's re- let's, you know, review what our roles are um, during this next event. And I need you all to help me because I don't ask for help. So if you see me drowning, step in and do something or tell me, hey, this is it. I got this. You know, this is my job. And so I was able to communicate that and let go of that control. And the next session was wildly successful. People still had a good time at the first session, but the people were, you know, kind of in the background, they were like, this is a train wreck. But it turned (laughs) out to be an amazing second session because I gave up control. Everyone knew what their roles were. I trusted that they knew what they were doing. I would check in with them regularly and we were all successful in the process. And I, mm-hmm. I owned up to it. I was transparent about my, my weaknesses. My weakness is not giving up control. So I'm going to need you right. to tell me to stay in my lane. And so <laughs> that's the whole thing with delegation is to the night self, to yourself be true. Like you've got to be true to who you are as a leader and know what your weaknesses and your strengths are and be willing yeah. to give up a little of the the tight reins that you have so that you can enjoy yourself too. I had a little glass of wine at the event <laughs> that time on the second go, go round. So it was nice right. to be able to just release some of that controlling McTrollison kind of thing that you have on hold. And that really helps with delegation. That makes it work. Oh my gosh. There's just so many nuggets <laughs> in that. And it's something that we all struggle with, mm-hmm. right? Because- when our names or reputations are on the line, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to become vulnerable and put your success in the hands of those that you're you're working mm-hmm. with. And I have seen to the extreme delegation to the extreme where people go, you know, delegated so much and weren't involved that they couldn't effectively lead right. because they didn't know who was on first and who was on second. But what I saw that was different in your story is that you communicated to your team 
made sure every single person understood their role. So you all had that initial conversation Mm -hmm. and then you had a comfort level, a better comfort level to see how it played out. Am I way off base or what are your thoughts? Yeah, (laughs) it was fantastic. And you know, what's really cool is that it was such a success that other departments came in and said, we want to use this for our team builders, for our departments. How did you do it? And so I was able to give them that blueprint and give them the heads up. Make sure you delegate and you're clear (laughs) with your teams so you don't have the same thing that happened to me happened to you. And it became like this wild, huge, cool project, a program that that rolled out to different departments and it was, it was great success. So. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a nice entree into your book and I uh, show your ask Mm -hmm. of which I have a copy. I must say I'm going to purchase it. It's wonderful. Um, But if you can share with the audience a little bit about your, why you wrote the book, show your ask and um, maybe a quick overview or a teaser Mm -hmm for um, what is contained therein and how it can be beneficial to them. Well, the, the and, and thank you for helping me plug my book. Um, I, I, I wrote it because everyone throughout my career, throughout the 18 years, and actually, you know, I've been in business for nine years as a, as a consultant, but everyone always asks me, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? And every step of that way, I was asking or I was advocating for myself and my career. And so I wanted to put all of these nuggets of knowledge and things where I showed up for myself in a book so that it could help other people. And it also gives you an opportunity to kind of sit back and reflect on how these lessons I learned impact your life and how you can apply them in your life and your career as well. How do you speak up in an interview, like how do you really, you know, strongly position yourself uh, for that next role or promotion? How do you negotiate for yourself? Um, what happens if you lose your voice? You know, what can you glean from that experience? So there's a whole bunch of things, the delegation story is in there and how to delegate appropriately. So there's all these little tips and tools throughout the course of your career, whether you're new to your career or in the middle of it. These are all life lessons learned that you can apply and take actionable steps um, in uh, advocating and speaking up for yourself and showing your ask, A-S-K, versus the other alternative. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, you're so right. You're so right. And, you know, I'll just say, and this is a, a, a moment of vulnerability for myself, I will say I felt extremely comfortable in a corporate environment, Mm -hmm. showing my ask. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly why, but when I switched to, you know, founding a firm Mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, dealing with clients directly, because I was the executive at one point that, you know, vendors and uh, partners wanted to, you know, talk to and be with, and then being on the other end of the coin, uh, you know, trying to make sure, you know, we we're top of mind when, you know, companies needed services. It was a whole different space for me. And so I'm curious, um, with all the great 
knowledge and stories that you read about in your book, mm-hmm. how has it been? How has it been showing your ask um, when you founded Crawford Leadership Strategies? Ooh, let me tell you, the when, when you say your own brand versus an internationally well-known brand, and people are like, what's a Crawford Leadership Strategy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? what? I was, they know Verizon and they know a Microsoft, but they're like, okay, yeah, now who are you? Yeah, like to work <laughs> under the guise of uh, that brand and then to go in and and tell, you know, I'm all proud of it, you know, because I'm, you know, you're the founder. And then people right. are like, I know, what what is that? And um, it's, it's it's a little humbling to not have okay. the the shine of of that 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 well known brand. Um, sure. And so. Uh, it, it, it took a while for me to not feel like I didn't deserve to be in these rooms and these spaces and places. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I may not be a multi-billion dollar company yet, but yes. you want to work with me because I have experience in working with folks and um, and skills and things that I developed for those multi-billion dollar organizations, right? So I I have the experience. I may not have the brand recognition yet, but you want to work with me because I have the experience. And so in showing my ask, I would share my journey. You know, I worked for 18 years and this is what I did. And this is what I love to do. I love growing leaders for a living and this is how I do it. And people really started to um, connect with my why, And so when I'm showing my ask, I set this intention of collaboration and support instead of, I need to get a client, I need to get a client, you know, that, that negative energy, almost like when we were dating, you know, back in the day with Karen, when we were like going out and trying to get (laughs) dates and get the numbers and give our numbers out. And I was thinking to myself, who needs my help in this room? Is that was a different mindset shift from mm-hmm. I need to get the clients, I need to get the clients, and showing my ask was how can I help support you? What do you need help with in your organization? Mm-hmm. And when I changed it from from getting to giving, it changed me showing my ask. That whole perspective changed. Um, mm-hmm. Networking wasn't hard anymore because it was more of who needs my help today? How can yes. I help them? Love that. Absolutely love that. Also, you know, as you know, I wrote the book Lead at the Top of Your Game, and in that we talk about a lot of leadership tactics and approaches to really up your game when you're executing as a leader. And what I love to always ask our our guests is out of the the seven that we wrote about that the research said were the the top most critical ones, was there one out of the seven that you know, resonated or stood out for you? Yeah, the, the strategic decision-making really oh, stood out more. to me. Um, Why is that? I have a, I didn't know it at the time, but I was coaching people from probably for about 15, 16 years while I was at Verizon Wireless and beyond. And I, I thought about it, that there's a process that I would walk people through whenever I was dealing with leaders leading their teams better or, or what have you. And it was, it, it's, a, it's a methodology called RISE. And oh. it's reflecting, identifying, strategizing, and executing. And I would walk them through this, not knowing that I was helping them rise to the next level, to the next position in uh, confidence in, you know, once they've gotten 
some type of performance evaluation that they didn't like. But I think strategic decision making is such a key skill set for us to walk our leaders through. And I, unbeknownst to me, was planting those seeds and helping those leaders strategically make those decisions by first reflecting on what the situation is, identifying what skills or tools they needed in order to be more successful. Then let's strategize a plan on how we're going to lay that out. What steps are we going to take to make sure that hmm, an example of somebody getting a a, a below average performance rating. What are we going to do in order to make sure that never happens again? What steps are you going to take? And then let's execute. Let's take some action. So I would hold the people that came to me, all my strategic business partners would come to me. Let's execute. So I kept them accountable. What, what date are you going to get this done by? When are you going to follow up with me? When are you going to follow up with the person that interviewed you? So I was helping them rise through each of those different seasons within their career without even knowing it. But now I just put a, yeah. an acronym to to that to those steps. And I really think that that is so key when you are leading a team or even just leading yourself. Sometimes you just yeah. got to take a step back and rise to get the energy to, to deal with the team or the problem child or whatever it is that you did, the, re, the relocation or the unfortunate, you know, with strategic, um, you know, uh, re, um, what are we calling them now when we're, we're changing, what do we call them? Restructuring, reorg. Oh yes. Restructuring, realignments, reorg. Guys, you pick a, to think of a pretty, pretty word for layoff. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we always had to paint nice pictures over like, we did. So, you know, the strategic decision-making is such, it's not a soft skill. It's a hard skill. It's a power skill. And that really struck me as one of the, yeah. one of the, 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 the super skills um, that you outline in your book. Oh, thank you. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for sharing. And, you know, I, I would be remiss if I did not um, also uh, plug your show, Career View Mirror. Uh, so you all, if you don't know about it, you better Google it and learn about it because it is awesome. And you've had so many fantastic guests on there. And yeah. I'm just curious, Joelle, if... <laughs> Thank you. I paid her to say that. No. (laughs) But I mean, you've talked and heard so many stories with your guests. And I'm just curious, and if you don't have an answer for this, this is fine. But I'm just curious if you're seeing anything different these days that your guests are struggling with, with their careers than pre-pandemic. Is there anything big now yeah. of what they're having to deal with versus what some of the trends that you heard, you know, previously. I, th- I think a lot of my clients tend to feel more comfortable revealing some of the microaggressions that they've been mm. dealing with. For some reason, the pandemic has kind of awoken, awoken, awakened a lot of different types of behaviors uh, that may have been kind of underlying and kind of you know, uh, not really seen, um, nefarious, but now people are kind of wide open (laughs) about how (laughs) they they feel and think. And Mm -hmm. that's fine, you know, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I say this all the time, freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences. And so um, helping them manage through those microaggressions, but also I think instead of the great resignation, I'm noticing a great 
kind of realization. I think a lot of my clients are realizing that their talents um, and skills may be used um, elsewhere or could be appreciated in, um, in different, in different fashions. And so helping them uh, come up with a job search campaign or, or articulating their um, skill sets that, that seems to be, those seem to be the two big, big things that I'm hearing a lot of is, is taking my, taking all of my transferable skills and how can I move them someplace else? Cause I feel like my value is not being respected where I am, right. but also how do I deal with somebody who is just really, I really feel like they're really out to get me. And I'm like, well, there are steps, yeah. you know, like, you know, like let's, let's go back to the HR fundamentals here. So um, really working in a, uh, in a civil workplace, you know, those types of things and how to manage those, those relationships and communicate with micromanagers and, and things of that nature are things that I've been seeing a lot more of than pre, pre yeah than pre pandemic. You know what you're you're spot on on that because um, I spoke at um, a global talent summit um, at Gallup a few months ago, and we were discussing the shift right now with of companies focusing more on skills versus degrees. Mm. Um, not that they don't appreciate or lessen the value of degrees, but because of the way the um, industries have been changing um, across the world, especially with advances in technology, mm-hmm. companies are really focused on those most critical skills that are needed yes. uh, within their company and industry versus a mandate that you have to have a degree in X, Y, and Z. So that whole focus on skills makes a ton of sense Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Makes a ton of sense. And I think a lot of things that I I work with clients on is them realizing that they have the skills within them. I think they get so entrenched in the day to day that they think that their skills are only useful where they are. And I even got caught up in that when I, when I left to start my business, you know, like I was like, I only know how to do this here. But then I realized, no, you have skills and abilities that can translate to other functions and groups and industries. And so That's it's right. believing in yourself and and really celebrating those skills and and um and really um, highlighting them, your accomplishments. And taking the leap yes, to try it out, yes. right? Even if you have a fear of falling on your Absolutely. face, but just try it and see. Just try. You gotta try. You don't know unless you try. That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, before I let you go, we got to do our final segment. It's called Full Disclosure. And I promise you there's no gotcha questions on it. But but we like to uh, take a a fun peek into some of your the things you like to do or some of your preferences and habits. So my first question to you, Joelle, is what was your very first job ever out of high school? Well, it could be in high school. Uh, Oh, my very first uh, job. Yeah, because I did have a job before high school. And it was babysitting and I didn't know it at the time, but I had like a little like babysitting racket going on. I was like a babysitting a couple kids down the block and accumulating a lot of wealth. That was like an eighth grade. And I used to like have a schedule and have my own checking account and everything like that was that was pretty big time. So I was I would say I was an entrepreneur at the very beginning. I guess caregiving is in my blood. So (laughs) it sounds like it. Definitely. (laughs) All right. My my next question is, let me let us analyze what would be your um, ideal meal. So first, Mm. what is your favorite appetizer? 
when you go out. My favorite appetizer when I go out. Uh-huh. I have to think about this because it's been a minute since I've been out a lot, you know, like we're still kind of yes. creeping out. But I would say I I absolutely love a charcuterie board, you know, meats oh, and yes. cheeses and all the little, you know, the gherkins and then the little fancy oh, almonds. Yeah, I love, a, hungry. love a good charcuterie <laughs> board. <laughs> uh, all right. What is a favorite entree? entree. It can be, mm-hmm. yeah, mm. anything. I love seafood. So it's got to be anything crustacean like a shrimp or lobster or both crab legs. Oh, you yeah. can't tell me anything. Give me some good Alaskan <laughs> crab legs and some butter. And you're good to go. I'm good to go. <laughs> All right. And finally, um, if you like dessert, what would be your favorite dessert? Uh, anything chocolate. So I uh, love chocolate. I love chocolate. Do you? Yeah. Or I think, or, go or ahead. a good class of wine. I would say that wine, you know, when you said appetizer, the first thing my yeah. brain said was wine. I was like, that's yeah, me too. <laughs> well, you know, we think outside the box here. We live outside the box. <laughs> so it can be. It is for me because I don't like desserts mm-hmm. that much. I think I'm the only female on this earth that doesn't no, like chocolate. No. But uh, no. yeah. What's okay. But, what what um, kind of des- what would your dessert be? Would it be a glass of wine? Or would it be? It would probably either be a glass of wine or... I would never order dessert on my own. I might like ask for a fork yeah. bowl from my daughter or my husband. Mm-hmm. But if I were absolutely forced to eat something sweeter, it maybe it would be um, a cheesecake. Ooh, okay. So um, you're like my husband. He loves cheesecake. Yeah. I like the but cheesecake that's, that's not cheesecake. Like the ones like a cheesecake factory that have like chunks of cookie or like peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Like the very littlest <laughs> bit of cheesecake, but with other yeah. things in there. But other than everything else in there. <laughs> no, I hear you on that. And actually, an ideal dessert for me would be cheese and crackers. Oh, yeah. More savory. So, so like your appetizer for dessert. So they, yes. that's, I could do that too. I could eat you could do that too. all day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, we'll have to make a date one of these days, you know, when we're back in the same city and we'll, we'll definitely do that. Fantastic. I would love that. Well, thank you so much, Joelle, for your time today and for being on the lead at the top of your game podcast. We absolutely love having you. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. Awesome. Well, listeners, hopefully you, um, I know you've enjoyed this episode because it has, in my opinion, been fantastic and one of our best episodes ever. We thank you so much for listening to us. Please feel free to like or subscribe the podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Also, please share with a friend. I'm sure they could um, get, love some of the leadership nuggets that our guests provide as well you know, as we could use the additional listeners. We love to get our message out and give the gifts of knowledge um, uh, out to those across the globe who are interested. Thank you so much again for listening and see you next episode. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Joelle Crawford, founder and CEO of Crawford Leadership Strategies. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, And additional resources can be found both in the show notes on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of delegation. Now, as you all are aware, uh, in my book, Lead at the Top of Your Game, I outlined the top seven tactics related to optimal leadership execution. 
And did you know that delegation is one of the sub-competencies of the tactic of leading with a drive for results? Leading with a drive for results is all about your ability to be tenacious about achieving your goals, no matter if you have to pivot along the way. And if you're leading a team, your ability to, de- to delegate tasks appropriately to those with the skills to do a fantastic job can lead to the success or failure of your initiative. And I wanted to share with you a great tip from Harvard Business Review. It was a tool that I read called Practice Saying Yes, No, and Yes If. This is all about the art and science of being selective. It's not reasonable, realistic, or healthy to commit to every opportunity that comes your way. So I encourage you to be discerning with your time. Start by carefully assessing every demand that comes your way and cherry pick the asks which most align with your areas of expertise. You should say yes to these, but for those requests that don't quite align, you say yes if, and you follow the word if with your ask to them. Say yes if you are permitted to immediately identify other people to help accomplish the goals through their direct involvement. You may still consult with them, motivate them, and lead them, but you're going to be essential as the catalyst, but not as the muscle that's doing the heavy lifting to getting the task done. Now, there, if they say, you know, no, they're not willing to allow you additional resources, then this might be the time that you say no as well. This discerning approach may mean delegating some tasks to others, right? Negotiating a reduction of your direct contribution or just saying no altogether while making the business case for why your efforts and attention will have a greater impact elsewhere. So give it a try and let me know how it worked out for you by sending a note to me either on LinkedIn or at the email podcast at shockinglydifferent.com. And if you're listening to the show, you all know that we don't charge for the show, but it's not free either. Our only ask for you is an honor of a pact amongst us friends for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice and share with just one friend about the podcast. I think that's a great deal, don't you? Well, thanks again for listening and being part of our Lead at the Top of Your Game community and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.